Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is Live Mike. Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to Live Mike. Just a moment, we'll be joined by former Congressman Ben McAdams. Uh, today, the one-year anniversary since checking into a hospital uh, battling the COVID virus just a year ago. Before we get there, though, I have to... Uh, make one little point of clarification. As I was describing earlier uh, that the the fundraiser, which tomorrow, here's the deal, tomorrow is your opportunity to get involved in the first annual statewide Feed Utah food drive. Here's how it works. You place uh, a bag outside of your front door by 9 a.m. tomorrow, and volunteers will be by to pick that up. Uh, I said earlier, you just put it in whatever kind of bag. No, I got a word just now from uh, one of the volunteers. It's got to be a plastic bag. They'd prefer a plastic bag uh, that helps with space and visibility. Uh, it's also uh, easier for the volunteers to see inside. So plastic if you got it, please. Uh, again, non-perishable foods uh, loaded up outside your front door by 9 a.m. tomorrow. 9 a.m. Mountain Time tomorrow, Saturday, March 20th, volunteers will come to uh, pick up that food and distribute it out to the over half a million Utahns who are facing hunger right now. Much of that hunger due uh, uh, in no small part to the economic fallout resulting from this gosh darn pandemic. Uh, Last uh, reminder, of those half a million, one in five Utah children are without uh, enough to eat. 20%. You can help. 9 a.m. tomorrow, get the food out on the front door. Uh, Now, With that all out of the way, let me uh, now welcome to the program, back to the program, uh, former Congressman Ben McAdams. Uh, Sir, how are you? It's good, Lee. And hey, thanks for the reminder. I've got I've got food in a paper bag, and I guess I'm going to go home and move it into a plastic bag and put it on the doorstep tomorrow morning. But uh, I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me back. I'm sure they won't reject the paper bag, but uh, but the preference from the volunteers is plastic. A little easier to see, a little easier to handle. So uh, they, they'd be very grateful yeah. if you move that over to, to plastic. Thanks a lot. Uh, you and I— Well, you know, the other thing I'm going to do is um, you can also make a donation. So I'm going to put some food out and then make a donation to the food bank is, is also what they're asking for if you can. E- exactly right. You anyway, talk- go ahead. No, you're you're, correct. You're exactly correct. UtahFoodBank.org is the website, and you can donate uh, that way. If uh, if money's what you got extra to, to give, they'd be much appreciative. Um, uh, so he- here's my, my my first exposure, or from my first uh, what I thought exposure 
to, to COVID-19 was. Uh, it was just over a year ago. It was about a year and 15 days ago. Uh, you, you were here visiting the, the station. Uh, I was uh, broadcasting my show. You walked by uh, and uh, you and I uh, bumped fists. And then a handful of days later, uh, I learned that uh, that you, sir, had been uh, the the second member of Congress diagnosed. That was uh, just uh, a few hours after it was revealed that uh, Florida Representative Diaz Balart, Mario Diaz Balart, uh, tested positive for COVID nineteen. And as soon as as soon as I got that word, I pulled out the calendar and started doing a little bit of math. And uh, luckily, luckily, uh, I, I I was safe. And uh, unfortunately, though, you, sir, uh, ultimately ended up uh, battling this uh, this covid virus pretty aggressively. Yeah, I ended up in the hospital. I spent we talked when I was in the hospital, in fact, but I spent eight days in the hospital uh, struggling to breathe. I was really, really sick. And uh, fortunately, after eight days, I was sent home to recover. And it took me, you know, a month before I really felt somewhat decent and about six months before I was back to 100 percent. But happy to report that today. I'm doing really well and back to 100 percent and and uh, everybody in my family is healthy and, and we're, we're chugging along. And, you know, but little do we know over the over the course of the following year, how many people in our state and around the country would be hit so hard by this virus. And if not by the virus, just hit economically. It's been been a rough year for so many people. The, the, this phrase sounds almost uh, indelicate and insensitive, but it is uh, true often that which doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. H- how will we come away from this stronger, do you think? You know, Lee, I've been thinking about that. And, you know, we hear about the long haulers, people who, uh, who have symptoms that may last with them for a lifetime. Unfortunately, maybe I was a, a medium hauler, but I'm, I'm 100% now. But I've been thinking not only about those long haulers, those people, I guess, who have who have died, but those people who are still suffering from consequences. And then I've been thinking us, about us as a society. And I think we as a society are going to have some small impacts. Uh, you know, this this pandemic has hit so many people economically, and people it's going to take years for people to recover from the impact that they've felt from this virus. I think we've also felt just maybe the, it was already there, but the pandemic made it worse. The political division that exists uh, of neighbor against neighbor, family member against family member, and I think some of the long-haul symptoms of that division is going to be with us. And, and it's going to take some time for us to heal. And it's going to take effort and, and rehab, I would say, as a, as a society for us to, to get past some of the, the tough things that we've experienced that, that go beyond the virus. And, and that, I guess I feel blessed today that I'm better uh, health-wise. But I think as a society, we're going to have to be focused and it's going to take our energies together to heal from the impact of this virus. You, you you bring up an answer, or you touch on an interesting principle there, one that I have been pondering over for literally this this entire year, and it is the the collective stress under which we we find ourselves today was brought about uh, by a virus which doesn't register for a political party, right? Uh, old Aunt Rona yeah. uh, doesn't register as a Democrat or a Republican yeah. or anything like that. And yet somehow uh, we, I think, and this is, you know, Lee Lonsberry, armchair psychologist thinking, um, we were, we've been looking for an outlet. We are feeling a collective stress. That outlet, unfortunately, has been in large part uh, to turn against one another. Those with differing beliefs end up being uh, the, the the target for our own ire occasionally. H- how do we, once we've moved beyond this uh, virus, h- how do we how do we heal that? You know, I mean, it may sound like almost a naive question to ask, but h- how do we, you know, first recognize and then move beyond? 
Well, I think, you know, we have to look at what caused it. And certainly, you know, the virus didn't cause it. We division and and this partisan rancor that exists, that was here before the virus. But I think there's something about the isolation. When people, uh, when you're isolated, when you're not exposed to at the work at work or school or church, people who, who see the world differently than you do, that have different opinions than you do, it's hard to really have empathy and understanding when you when you can look at somebody of a different political party, a different religion, a different ethnicity, as somebody who's far and away and, and, and not close, it's easier to, to fall into the trap of, of anger and resentment. But when that person who is different than you is a coworker, a classmate, uh, I, I think there's more understanding that comes from that. So I have to think that the isolation has, has helped to exacerbate some of these divisions. And my hope is, is as we start to come out, that people have a, a, a you know the the hunger and desire to for human interaction and and we start to get back to normal that we can start seeing that we are all again human beings and we've been impacted by this virus in different ways but we we share our humanity we're all children of the same god and we can come together and have compassion for each other and so hopefully some of that will just happen as the virus gets behind us but but i think it is going to take some deliberate thought and action on our part as well to to um to really have compassion, to reach out to somebody who's different, to try to seek to build understanding with people who who we've spent the last year being angry at or people who have been angry at us for the last year. Let's stop shaming each other for wearing a mask or not wearing a mask or, sure. or what we do or don't do and just start to see each other as, as brothers and sisters and, and humanity and that we have so much more in common and we've all been hurt by this, some more than others, but it's going to take – we can support each other and help sure. people to heal. Uh, listen, sir, we're, we're out of time. Let me see if I can make a little news here, though, and ask you uh, this question out of left field. Do you think you run for Congress again? I don't know. <laughs> I, I certainly love public service, and, uh, and and I think I've got more to give, but I'm right now enjoying giving. You know, I'm giving back through my service at the University of Utah and, and through other other endeavors, and it is uh, nice to be able to give without uh, without running for office for now. All right. Well, I'll ask you again soon sometime. Uh, thank you. so. Okay. Did we lose him? Okay. Hey, uh, thanks so much. Uh, sir, pleasure speaking with you. We're going to take a break right now. I, I gave it a shot. I asked, right? Uh, we'll find out. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.